where he cites a tradition from his teachers that the Yiddish word for tefillah is called davening. It's a Yiddish word, it's not a Hebrew word. The meaning of this word davening is a contraction of the words da'avuhon. Davening means of the fathers. Of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. This is the umnus of our ancestors. The Jewish people, if we are anything, are a community of daveners, the prayer community the prophetic and the prayer community of the Jewish people, as Rasalvichik described, the two sides of that coin. Rav Simcha Bunim of Pshischa used to say, based on the Medrash, the Medrash says that a Jew has to always ask himself, Matai yagiu ma'asai l'ma'asai avosai. When will my actions reach the actions of my forefathers? When will I be able to reach in the simple interpretation, when am I able to reach the level of my forefathers? That's the Medrash. Simchal Bunim said, is it possible that, that we'll be able to reach the level of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, of Sarif, Gerachal, and Lai? Is that something which we can expect of ourselves, <coughs> that we should expect of ourselves? 
The Lashon of Yegiyah, when will my actions reach the level, <coughs> Rav Simcha Bunim pointed out, is from a Lashon of Negiyah, of touching. To reach the level of the forefathers is not something that we have to or can expect of ourselves or should expect of ourselves. But to touch the Maisa of Oseinu, to touch the path, the way of our forefathers, is something that's expected of every single Jew. A Jew has to say to himself or herself, when will I be able to touch the place of the Avos, of this place of davening? Rav Tzadok writes in Rasisei Laila in a number of places that the whole Indian of davening is calling the bluff of the world. Zohar Kaddish says that the, the shin that we have on our tefillin, we have a three-headed shin and a four-headed shin. The, the shin that we have on our tefillin corresponds to the, the three-headed shin is the avos and the four-headed shin is the imahos. And the shin corresponds to davening. The shin is the, is the tefillas of the avos. The three-headed shin is shachar san mincha and mayrv of avon yitzchak The avos and the imahos who literally changed nature, who were able to Reveal to the world this Indian that ain't mazal Yisrael. There's no mazal for the Jewish people. The Jewish people are beyond mazal. And Rashi explains there in the Gemara and Shabbos, we're beyond mazal because through our tefillah and our maizim tovim we can be mishan of the mazal. So Tzadok writes that that tefillah is calling the bluff of the world. You know the letter Shin, which in this strange way relates to the koch of tefillah. So Ritzalik explains that the Indian of tefillah is the Indian of Sheker de Kedusha. Tefillah is Sheker de Kedusha. There's a koach in the world that Hashem placed Sheker. Shin is for Sheker. Like the Gemara and Shabbos, when it's going through all the different letters. Shin is, is Sheker. <coughs> There's a type of Sheker where a person changes the truth where they augment the truth for their own reasons, and that's a sheker that's not so holy. And there's a sheker where a person looks at the world and says, this is sheker. This is not the way the world is supposed to be. I'm calling the bluff on reality, and I'm saying that if this is the way it looks right now, this is not, this is not the emistic. This is not it. If we understand the way that the world works, the world is made up of letters. The, the letters are not in the right order here. There, there needs to be some way of rearranging these letters that reality should be looking very, very different than the way it does. And the Koch of Tefillah is the ability to take that shin of Sheker and to say, the world as I see it is false. Because until the world is perfect, until every sick person is healed, until every war is stopped, <coughs> until every person has food to eat, until every person is able to activate a relationship with transcendent reality, with Hashem Himself, until the world is in that state, then this world, to the degree that it doesn't match this perfect reality, is still in a state of Sheker. It's still in a state of Pirud. There's still the appearance that something other than Enon Mulvadu could possibly be true, but there's nothing other than Hashem. And the Avos are the one who started doing that. They started looking at the world together with their holy wives. And they looked at the world. Avram Avinu 
is the first breaker of idols. In English, there's a word called an iconoclast. Someone who, who breaks all the rules and like creates a new paradigm of looking at things. The word literally means an iconoclast. It means to destroy an icon. Destroy idolatry. To destroy something which is this figured form. And Avram Avinu is the first one to look at reality and to say, this is not, uh, this is not correct. Avram, who davened Shachris, and who starts this Indian of Shachris, and then followed by Mincha and by Marv, this project of Avram is a project of saying the world as we see it in its lack of perfection, the building that's on fire, where's the Baal Habira, this building that's on fire, as Chazal described, that Avram Avinu is walking and he sees this palace in flames, and he says, where is the Baal Habira? Who is in charge here? This cannot possibly be the world. Is the beginning of this avoda of the avos called davening, the avuhon. And the project continues with Yitzchak this week. Pasuk tells us, I was walking into the old city this morning with a dear friend of mine, Rabbi Yoni Miller, and he asked me about this Pasuk. And on our way, and we were talking about this. I've been thinking about it all afternoon. He said, I don't understand this Pasuk. The Pasuk says that Yitzchak is coming from Be'er L'chai Ro'iv, Hu Yoshev Eretz HaNegev. Yitzchak is hanging out in the Negev by Keturah, you know, by, uh, <laughs> he's down by the Negev, all the way down south. The very next Pasuk, without any, V'hu Yoshev Be'eretz HaNegev, V'yetze Yitzchak L'suach Basada, Lifnos Erev. And Yitzchak goes out to speak in the field. Chazal tell us that this field is Yerushalayim. It's a pretty significant journey from the Negev to Yerushalayim. So there are different ways of looking at this. The Rishonim say that the Pasuk is saying, Who Yoshev doesn't mean he was currently dwelling in the... He was Yoshev before in the Eretz And now, this is the Torah telling us that he made his way up back to Yerushalayim. I couldn't help but think of a parish of Rabbeinu Bachia that some of you are familiar with. based on Pasuk all the way back in Parshas Bereshis, where the Torah says that it was Tairam Yitzmach Siyach that it was on the sixth day of creation, it was before there was any rain, before any of the grasses had grown. Tairam Yitzmach Siyach before any of the grass had come up, because it was Tairam Himtir Hashem Elokim Al-Aretz, it was before Hashem brought rain down to the earth, because there was no person in Ma'avodas Adam. <coughs> and Chazal and the Gemara and Chul and Adaf Samach tell us that this is difficult because we know that the grasses all came up on the third day. So what is it? on the sixth day, there's no grass. And Chazal tell us that although the grasses started to come out of their seeds, on the third day they sat at the Pesach, at the opening of the ground, waiting to come up. And until there was a human being who would daven, and to ask Hashem that he should bring rain, that would then cause the sprouting of the grasses to occur, 
the world became filled with green and filled with flowers and trees and all the beautiful things. And basically this, this desert became a garden. It means that the beginning of tefillah, like Rabbeinu Bachya points out, that it's ter mitzmach siyach hasada. There's a dual intention that the Torah is telling us here. It's before any of the siyach, any of the saplings of the field came out. Rabbeinu Bachya, the student of the Ramban, said siyach hasada also means the conversations of the field. A veiled reference to this pasuk of Vayetze Yitzchak Lasuach Basada, the Yitzchak went out to speak in the field. And so I was thinking that if we read this pasuk with eyes a little bit more to see. Vayetze Yitzchak Lasuach Basada is following the pasuk that says that he was Yoshev Be'eretz HaNegev. If you think about Adam Arishon when he was first created and he looks out onto the expanse of the earth and he sees that there's just this arid wasteland, a Negev, a desert. And in seeing that desert, he recognizes, as is evident from the Torah's retelling of this story, that when Adam looks out at the world and he sees something imperfect, he sees a chisaron in the world, he sees some lack in the world. When he meets that lack, when his eyes see the world in its imperfection, and he says, this is the world that Hashem created? This is the world that the perfect, omnipotent, omniscient creator created? That can't be. He says, I must be seeing a lie. It can't be that this is what it is. And so, Adam himself goes out, and causes this ma'pecha, this upheaval to take place where the rain comes down and all of a sudden the whole world becomes a beautiful garden. Yitzchak Avinu has a very similar experience. He just is coming back from this place called Be'er L'chai Ro'i. You can look at the words of Rav Shimshon Rafal Hirsch. L'chai appears in the, in the Parsha before. That when Hagar is sent away, she goes with Yishmal and she ends up in this place called Be'er L'chai Roshizlon, who named it that. Be'er L'chai Ro'i means that Hagar, who was dejected and who was rejected, ends up in this place of a Be'er, of a well, that miraculously appears for her, where she says that the Chai, the living one, Ro'i, he sees me. He sees me and I see him, and I know that this desert wasteland that looks like it's, it's going to swallow me whole, this, that's not the end of the story here. And throwing herself on tefillah, her child, Yishmael, that Hashem hears, she ends up revealing this well and names the place Be'er L'chairu'i Yitzchak Avinu after the traumatic events of the Akedah and after the death of his mother. is spending time by this Be'er L'chairu'i and is contemplating this question. The imperfection of the world <coughs> demands that we call upon the master of the universe to see the desert, to see the Negev. Who Yoshev ba Negev? He's sitting there in the Negev. And Yitzchak Avinu says, despite the fact that I'm sitting here, orphaned of my mother, in the aftermath of this terrifying event of the Akedah, it's Yitzchak Avinu, you know, I'm not psychoanalyzing the Avos here today. On our level, the way we look at this, in the aftermath of this, he's sitting, he's Yoshev Banegev, and Yitzchak Avinu says, Chai Ro'i, Hashem still sees me. It can't be that the, the desert that looks like this, it can't be that the sickness 
that I'm facing, it can't be that the malpractice suit that I'm being sued by, it can't be that the trouble in my house with my kids or with my spouse, it can't be that whatever the chisaron that's still in my life, it can't be that my not understanding this one word in the suya, whatever the chisaron is, doesn't matter how small, how big, it can't be that as long as I reach into my pocket, I don't pull out exactly the coin, like Chazal say, that I'm looking to pull out. The world is not absolutely perfect. Then I say, the world is still a lie. The world is still not true. And the way that I turn the negative, that I turn the desert, whatever the desert is, whatever the desert is, the way that I turn that desert into a veritable garden, is Vayetze Yitzchak Lasuach Pasada Lifnos Erev. Lifnos Erev. As everything is turning towards Erev. Erev is a lesson of, the reason why Erev is called Erev is the Mafarshi Apshat explained Erev and Boker. Erev means from Lashon of Irbuv, of things being mixed together. With the permission of my father, you know, things are going from light to dark. Your eyes do funny things, you know, as the cones and the rods are starting to try to figure out how to see in that place of things start, it's the time when the most traffic accidents happen, I think they say, because that's when the, that's when your eyes are shifting from light vision to night vision. And when that happens, things start to blend together. You can't tell exactly how far apart this thing is from that thing. Lifnos Erev, when the world is confused and there's not proper borders and I don't know exactly where everything's supposed to be and where it looks like it's going towards darkness, that's the time when Yitzchak goes out to the Sada and calls the bluff of the world. As a Maisa, the Friya Dikar Rebbe was once walking with his father, the Rebbe Rashab. Two of them were walking and it was sunset, and the Friedrich Rebbe looked up at his father, the Rebbe Rashab, and the two of them looked at the sunset, and the Rebbe Rashab said, do you know why the sky turns red like this? Lifnos Erev. He said, because the sun, every day when it comes up, says, today I'm going to bring Mashiach. And when the sun is setting, it's embarrassed. Another day without bringing Mashiach. So it turns red in the face, you know, like a person who's embarrassed. Ay, that's Kakasha, why is it red in the morning? It's red in the morning like a person who's excited to go out, to, you know, his face is filled with the vigor of the red in the morning that I'm going to bring Mashiach. And at, at night, as it's about to turn dark, it turns red with shame. <coughs> that moment when the world looks like it's going towards, from bleak to worse than bleak, Yitzchak is going from the place of the Negev to the place of the desert, the place of barrenness, from the place of brokenness, of lack of life. And he says, the place of the desert, which is a place of death, is also a place of chayroi. Hashem is seeing me here. And Yitzchak goes out to the field to bring forth the siach hasada, all the way back from Sefer Bereshis to turn the desert into a garden. And then he raises his eyes, He raises his eyes and he sees the gamalim ba'im. At that moment that he raises his eyes, after he goes, just like Adam Rishon, the whole thing flips around in a minute. He sees the gamalim ba'im, the gamalim that have, that are carrying Rivka. Rabbi Nachman said, 
Nachman said that the Shechina during the time of Avram Avinu was called Sara. That's how Hashem's presence manifested on earth was called Sara Yemenu. It was called Sara. After Sara died, the Shechina, what happened to the Shechina? Where is the presence of Hashem? Where is this Chai Ro'i? Where is this living one who sees me? Rabbi Nachman says that during the time of Rivka, you mean, or during the time of Yitzchak and Rivka, the Shechina was called Rivka. And after that, the Shechina was called Rachel and Leah. And for each person on a certain level, in their own small way, if we're walking in the footsteps of the Avos, so then the Shechina for me is called Rina. And the Shechina for my Holy Father is called Freda Simcha, my mother. And every single person's Shechina a little bit, in that big Shechina of Rachel and Leah, those two aspects of the Shechina, Shechina is this Koach of Tefillah. It's the Koach of Tefillah that a person looks at the world and says, whatever it looks like, until it's perfect, it's not yet. That's not it yet. The Gamalim Ba'im, the camels are coming with Rivka, bringing the Shechina back. Gamalim is Lashon of Gomel Chesed. That he sees this Chesed of Rivka that Rivka is bringing in order to correct that which is still wrong in the world. There's a funny passage which maybe we're just understanding now in this moment as we're sitting here. Chazal described, Chizkuni mentions it, other, other places mention this, that Vatisa Rivka, Esenea, Rivka raises her eyes, the next passage says, she raises her eyes, Vatira, Yitzchak, Vatipo, Meala, Gamal. As in, she falls off the camel. Now, the simple interpretation means that she got out, she disembarked. But Vatipo, Meala, Gamal, she fell off the camel. Chazal, Rashi already talks about this, that she saw Yitzchak, she was terrified of seeing Yitzchak. Yitzchak was a pretty terrifying looking fellow, Pachad Yitzchak. And she fell off the camel in a fright. Now, we have in our tradition, a tradition that the reason she fell off the camel is because she saw Yitzchak Avinu. Now, let me try to explain what this means. She saw Yitzchak Avinu uh, upside down, coming out of the ground upside down. I don't know what that means. I'm not sure what that means. What it means is that Yitzchak saw the whole world is upside down. He saw the whole world is backwards. And the way to put things back in the right order, like I mentioned by Parshas Noach, I was talking to one of the chevra here after, and I mentioned the Torah from the Morinayim, from, it really goes back to the Baal Shem Tov, that Tzohar Tasa Teva, you should make a window, a light for the Teva. And he said, you should take the words Tzara, Tzadi Reish He, which means a, a pain, a constriction, and you should turn it into a, a window. A window means a place where light can come in, a place where a little bit of air can come in, get rid of the stifling Tzara, that constricted form. Tzohar Tasa Teva, it means that Yitzchak saw a Tzara, and he turned it into a Tzara. He saw that the, the letters were out of order. He saw things were upside down. And when Rivka saw that there was someone who had this koach of being able to see the world <coughs> and that it wasn't the right way, she also fell off the camel. She also fell upside down. She said, the whole world looks at the world one way. Everybody's looking at the world as if it's one way, but I, I see that this, this person, 
this Yitzchak is actually looking at the world, the hefech of everybody else, but is he's really seeing it up the right side. Because he's calling the bluff of the world. He sees that the world is sheker, the way that it's imperfect. Yitzchak. Yitzchak the Arizal said is a lesson of Kate's chai. It's the osios Kate's chai. The end is, is, is chai. Be'er l'chai roi. The end is alive, no matter what it looks like now. In the end, it's mamish going to be good. That's Mar Samach Pela. Mar Samach Pela means the Avos who were able from the very, very beginning to see the end. Chevron and Yerushalayim. It's a big sugya. Chevron and Yerushalayim. The connection between Chevron and Yerushalayim. You know, the Gemara says that every morning by the base of Mikdash, when they would want to start bringing the Karbonos, so there was a, someone who would stand by a, up on a high tower, and they would say, did the sun rise yet? And they would say, yes. And then there was a follow-up question. Did the sun reach all the way to Hebron? Because you know how the shadows sort of like go up and up and up and up? Until it's completely, until the sun touches every place. So the shadows, have they gone from Yushalayim all the way to the place where the sun, you could see that the shadows have disappeared all the way up to Hebron. That there's, the light has reached the place of Hebron. To bring the Karbonos in Yerushalayim, which means the end, which means the place of the final Beis HaMikdash, the final place, means the only way for that to happen is to reach all the way back and say, when will my actions touch the place of the Avos? The only way to be able to reach the end is if we're looking back towards Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, Saref Garachal and Leah, and saying, they set a path they saw that the world is not perfect yet, but they were willing to say, yet. And when it looks like the world is in Eretz HaNegev, that's the time, to go out to the field and to die.
Torah from the Kedushas Levi, which has a similar expression in the Sefer Emes Yaakov about Eliezer and Rivka and the, the meeting between the two of them. Torah says that when Eliezer goes to approach Rivka, so Torah makes it sound like he runs to go to go do this, administer this test of asking her for some water and seeing if she'll respond that she'll also feed the camels. So Chazal say, how did he know to run to her? Meaning, it sounds like he already sort of knew in advance who the, she was going to be the one. So Chazal say that there was something miraculous about the way that she was going to draw the water. That when she would go to fill up the bucket, the water seemed to sort of like come up to her. There was this unbelievable miracle that she didn't have to exert so much effort in drawing the water. And he said, whoa, there's something unusual here. Caught his eye. And he ran (coughs) to go ask her for a little bit of water. And she said, sure, I'll give you and your camels too. But what's remarkable is that when the Torah then describes her drawing the water, the grammatical quirk that Chazal link onto that shows that the water was rising to her is no longer to be found. All of a sudden, it seems like Rivka is schlepping the water by herself. Rivka is sweating over this drawing of the water. And the Kedushas Levi says, what happened to the miracle that the water was coming up to Rivka so pashat by herself, just went over to get the water, and just came right up to her. And now, all of a sudden, she's left all alone to do all the schlepping. So the Redditor says in a very important episode, Novotus Hashem. And a lot of you know that this is true, intuitively, from the past few months. The Redditor says it wouldn't have been a chesed for Rivka to have the water come up when she was doing something for somebody else. Meaning when she was getting the water for herself, for her family, so Hashem said, let me make it easier for the tzaddikes, you know, let the water come up for Rivka, she'll be able to have easy access to it, bring it home to the family, she'll be able to get home. When it comes to doing a mitzvah, says the Redditor, Hashem knows that the more effort you have to put into it, paradoxically, the more gishmak it is. The people who have the most difficult time serving Hashem are the chevra. You know, it's not so... It's time already for me to start being a zealot about this. And I, I mean it with all the love in the world. I don't, I don't actually mean this. But I'll use it as an example. You know, there's a big difference between somebody who goes out to the orchard, picks olives, goes to a press, and makes their own olive oil, and pours it into the glass cups, and takes the wicks and twists them, and sets up the the menorah for Hanukkah, and somebody gets one of those pop-off tops. (laughs) If you're getting... Now, there's nothing wrong with the pop-off tops. nothing wrong with the pop-off tops. 
if you get the pop-off tops and you're getting it because you can't be bothered to fill up the thing yourself, the same chaver who get like the prepackaged salt water for Pesach, you know, like, like six nine, ninety nine for like a thing of salt water. You know that Avodas Hashem is a burden for you. And therefore you need someone else to do this for you and that for you and everything needs to be done for you. You can't put in any effort. There's a law, you know, there's Newton's laws of physics, there's the Berdichever's law of Avodas Hashem. But the more effort, the more energy, the more you sweat over a mitzvah, the more you enjoy it. Not the more schar you get in Om Haba or something like that. The more you enjoy it. If you come to davening tomorrow morning and you say the words like this, it feels heavy and a drag and it feels long and it feels... If you come tomorrow morning and you say, Baruch Shamar Vayolam, and you put in koach and energy, you'll enjoy it a thousand times more. So the Berditcher says, when it came to filling the water for herself, no, let it be easy for her. <coughs> because less energy has to be put into it. But when it comes to doing a mitzvah, that wouldn't have been a chesed for, for, for Rivka to, to make the water come up by itself. The greater chesed would be to let her do it herself because she would enjoy doing it so much more. There would be so much more that she could take from it if she would do it herself. One of the great gifts of coming to study Torah in Eretz Yisrael is that a person learns how to do it themselves. You have a question and you have a question in Torah, you know how to look it up yourself, you know where to look it up yourself. You don't need to go to somebody else to do it for you. You want to make the world, like we are talking about before, you want to make the world a more beautiful place, you want to turn the desert into a garden, you know how to do that yourself. I can't put this the first time I'm saying it this year, but, you know, this gathering that we have here should not be a chiddish. <coughs> Wherever you're going to be in three years from now, you should be doing this. You know how to do it. Get together with a few friends. You don't even need to prepare. That's the godless. You get together with a few friends. You sing a few nigunim. And you share from your heart. If, if you can only have access to an experience like this because somebody with a long beard is sitting at the front of the table, and then it's going to be, then your vote is going to be heavy. But if you can put in the energy and do it yourself, it makes all the difference in the world. So, we have to stop in a minute, but I would like to put forth a challenge to all of you. Next Thursday, I'm going to be in the United States of America, so there's not going to be the Relikim Chaim. But why not? Lamala. <coughs> Wouldn't be the first time that it happened without me here. There's absolutely no reason why not. And it would be a great hanaf for me if you would send me the recording also. Because I'll also not be in Yerushalayim. And I know that there are people who are not in Yerushalayim who, who wait for this all week. 
for us to be sitting here in this room and to be able to sing together. So think about it. Yeah, yeah.